Well, good morning, Rock Bible Church. This is so great. It was so fun this morning to walk in to church. It was just, it was different. It's nice. It was, it was so much fun. And uh, I'm, I'm glad those of you can join us online are with us. Um, and then uh, we'll continue to adjust as, as things change. I know a school district here in Pleasant announced their opening on uh, March 4th, going back to school. And then um, also we're going to open here pretty soon. So pretty excited about that as well. Um, we're going to go ahead this morning. Uh, we're, we're Galatians chapter 6. We're finishing the last uh, chapter of the book of Galatians in our series. And so um, we're going to see how Paul wraps it up. He's He's told you a lot of things about you at this point. We'll get into that in a second. Um, and so it's kind of interesting how he's going to close it. So uh, let's pray, and then we'll get started. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thanks for um, some apparent changes that are coming and, and maybe some uh, blessing and some answers of solutions to the virus and the different things that are going on with vaccine and such. Lord, I just pray and trust that your hand is over it and you're taking care of people. And as we open and start to do new things, that you would keep people safe and protect and guide. And then, Lord, show us as a church and give us direction as to how we handle it. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for um, a chance to be back inside. We thank you for a chance to be outside as well later today. Um, but Lord, most of all, we, we thank you for the, the reality that can never be changed, that we get to worship, that we get to be able to sing things like Amazing Grace and then know how sweet the sound because... What you've done and who you are cannot be changed no matter what's going on in life. And so as we look at that this morning, I pray you'd give us some direction that uh, is beyond just our temporary, our current, um, what we can see and, and hear. Uh, Lord, give us a little more vision for things beyond us. And I pray it would come from your word, come from your spirit. I pray it would honor your son. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Galatians has been Paul's book to the, the churches of Galatia, and he's covered quite a few things. In, in fact, chapter one, he talked about our call. What are we called to? And, um, and kind of how do you know what it is? What is a call? Uh, chapter two, we looked at our identity. If you're called, well, then who'd he call? He called somebody. Who are you? How are you defined? What's, what's important about you? So we looked at your identity in Christ. Chapter 3, we looked at your faith in Christ. If you've been called and he's told you who you are, then do you believe it? Do you, you believe and trust the source? Chapter 4, we looked at our adoption in Christ. Uh, not only do we have an identity and, and do we have faith, but what's our standing? What's our priority? What's our value, our worth? Um, and then uh, five, a couple weeks ago, we, we talked about our freedom in Christ. If those first four things are true, then we are into some, some great freedoms uh, for who we are. 
today, chapter 6, we're going to look at your walk in Christ. If those first five things are true, well then how do we walk? Um, and actually he's going to use the word walk here in our, our last chapter here in just a minute. Um, but before we get into that, welcome to Rock Bible Church. We're Christ-centered, biblically-based, compelling, casual community. This is who we are. This is our vision. It's our purpose statement. It's why we exist. It is the ministry that we're in. We are compelling ourselves and others to Christ. That means we care about following Christ, and we care about others being able to follow Christ as well. We're doing it in casual ways that welcome all to worship. The purpose of us being here is to make sure people have an opportunity to worship, no matter where they're from or where they're going, what they look like or don't look like. None of that matters. Amen? Amen. Yes, I hope I can hear you people at home saying amen. Whether you want to watch online or be in person, any of that stuff, uh, we want to provide a way for people to worship who want to worship. And we're being a community that serves the greater community. So we, we serve the church and each other to the extent that it helps us serve those outside the church. Um, and I, I think it's important for us to remember those kind of things. You know, well, why are, where are we going as a church? This is where we're going. From, from now on, this is who we are. From the beginning to the end, these are all defined in Scripture by Christ himself and Paul and, and other things. This is, this is why we are the church. And it's, I, I think it's super important for us to remember these, these statements in this time based on what's going on in culture, but also in light of what we're about to hear in chapter 6. Because it's going to tie right in. All right, you ready? Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, here we go. Paul writing to the church, it says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Wait, I, doesn't it? Isn't it supposed to say you're supposed to attack him, excommunicate him, get on his case, make some more rules for him? No. When someone's caught, what's the verb there? You who are spiritual, that's a definition of who you are, right? What's the verb? Restore. We're not chastising. We're not critiquing. We're not complaining. We're, we're not going after them. We're going toward them. Big difference. Uh, you know, this has really kind of been a, a black eye in the church, not just this church. I don't mean Rock Bible. I mean Christendom. We've been really good at figuring out who's caught and then kicking them while they're down. Instead of how do we go and help them? How do we serve them? How do we help them get to a place of being restored? Any clues? Any guesses? It's right. It says restore him. It's right after it. In a spirit of, what's that word? Gentleness. We need this word back. We need to reclaim this word. We need to use it more. In fact, there's some other words that go with it that are amazing words, namely, gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, you've heard the phrase, gentlemen, right? It's lost its meaning. What's a gentleman? Any guesses as to whether they know about other people and how to help them restore? Any guesses on whether they know how to be gentle? 
Any guesses on whether they know how to serve others, work towards others, to the benefit others, to be a blessing, to show up when it costs something, when it takes time, when it's awkward or unpopular, and say, hey, I'm going to be here. By the way, I think that's true about ladies, too. We say ladies and gentlemen, right? Just gentlemen fits in with this word gentleness. How do we reclaim it? I think that's part, it's a subcontext of what Paul's talking about. You'll see by, by the time we get to the end. Uh, keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. See, now I think that's just backwards. Shouldn't you be keeping watch of the person that's caught and being gentle to yourself? I mean, really, that's, that's what we're all good at, right? We're all really good at keeping watch of other people, but being really nice to ourselves. Paul says, don't be backwards. Be correct, be on purpose. Watch out, you can make mistakes too. By the way, one of the best things about caught people is they remind you that it happens and it could happen to you. You could get caught. You will get caught. You have been caught. It will happen again. When that happens, you want gentlemen and ladies to show up and help you get restored, right? Because this is easy. James says, uh, be careful. You're going to encounter various trials. You're going to struggle. Paul says it another way. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. When we, do, when we find someone else that's in a scenario like that, we got to be nice. We got to be gentle. We got to be helping them. Now, are you hearing your walk in Christ yet? Kind of interesting. Uh, he's not really talking about you very much so far yet, is he? He's kind of talking about other people. Bear one another's burdens. Does that mean you should make sure other people help you bear your burdens? Or do you think Paul is trying to say, make sure you're the type of person that helps others? Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Ooh, he just took a massive weight and just dropped it on top of bear someone else's burdens. Well, you know, that's, that's not my problem. That's over my pay grade. I've even said at times, that's not my job. I can't find that in my job description. Yeah, maybe there are some times where we should be saying, so what, to all that. Maybe we should be saying, how do I fulfill the law of Christ? The law of Christ. What does Christ want? This is a pun, by the way. Paul uses a pun here. He's very punny. You see, they were trying to make laws for each other in Galatia. And Paul's saying, instead of making laws for other people and for yourself, how about you instead follow the law of Christ? How about Christ be your law? In fact, uh, 2 Corinthians, Paul says it this way, for the love of Christ controls us. How about you be controlled by Christ and his love rather than trying to control other people? trying to make laws for other people. He says, here's, here's your first step. How do you do that? See, because I, when I go to church, I got to have a how-to. I got to know how do I do this. How you do that? You start by bearing other, others' burdens. 
That's one of the things I love about Mexico. There's, there's no way that you can argue against the idea that someone doesn't have something like a home, maybe never has, and we go in there and help them get into a home. Was it a burden? To what extent? I don't know. I don't care. I know it was difficult, and, and there wasn't a home at the beginning, and by the time we leave, there's a home. And everybody I've ever taken on this trip, anybody that Jan has ever registered and trained and given some jobs and drove down there and brought them back and the whole thing, they come out of it different. Why? Because they figured out how this law of Christ thing is starting to work. How do I help other people? And maybe that's meant to be my walk rather than my walk being about me. That's just the way it works. Verse 3, for if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. My dad used to have a little rhyme he would say when us little boys, I grew up with two brothers. Well, I had two brothers. It's questionable as to whether I grew up. Uh, But he would say this to us when we were getting goofy and kind of big in our britches and the whole thing. He'd say, don't get wise, bubble eyes. Knock you down to peanut size. Understand, rubber band? And I thought that was the funnest little rhyme. Oh, it's got rubber bands in it and peanuts and the whole thing. And it all right. I thought it was the greatest thing until I started recognizing like what it actually meant. You know, we love to think that we're something. And we love to pursue something more. And Paul brings us to one of the great truths of life, that more is one of the most dangerous words there is. More is one of the the dirtiest four-letter words on the planet. And yet, it could be one of the most beautiful, most effective, most constructive, most esteeming, empathizing. It, It could be one of the best words ever, more. This depends on where you're playing out your more. Are you playing more for yourself or are you playing more for others? It's a great question. Because if you're trying to play to yourself, you're you're deceived, is what he says, end of verse 3. Verse 4, but let each one test his own work and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. Why don't you, instead of testing your neighbors test yourself don't get testy with other people monitor yourself and then uh what does that do to the freedom of your neighbor it frees them up to be able to pursue their relationship with the lord in fact they might even get your help if you're treating them that way and now you they'll get what what you were meant to understand from chapter five your freedom in christ that's how our neighbor gets it, is when you, when you extend it to them as well. Verse 5, for each will have to bear his own load. you got to carry your own weight. You're not responsible for anybody else. That is not on your job description. But you are responsible for yourself. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Let's start cooperating and sharing. 
do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Why are those two paired together? Why are six and seven paired together? You know, the one who teach, uh, is taught should share good things with the one who teaches. And don't be deceived because God's not mocked. Whatever one sows, the other uh, will also reap. W- what's that saying? It is against the law of Christ for you to be taught regularly and then never go out and actually do it or teach it to someone else or expand it or work on it. It is wrong for you to just continually take and not give. And and quite frankly, folks, anybody else tired of seeing it in humans? Anybody else tired of seeing it in the church? People that come, they want to be served. They want to dictate how things go. They want answers. They want to be catered to. They Uh, They want things to run their way, and then when it doesn't, they're out. We we see it in in youth sports with parents. We see it in education. We see it in politics. Uh, We see it everywhere. Anybody getting tired of that? Here's how you get better. Don't do it yourself. Don't do it yourself. Start sowing and reaping what you're being taught. Share and bless those around you so we can expand this thing. Expand what? Knowledge of Christ, acceptance of Christ, grace in Christ, forgiveness in Christ. How about just Christ? How about how we would just expand the Christ thing, right? As if Christ could get any bigger. That was kind of a pun. It's, it's theological, but we'll some other time. Uh, verse 8, for the one who sows the one who uh, sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Whoa. See, I thought eternal life came through salvation in Jesus Christ who died on the cross for me and paid for my sins through his shed blood. Isn't that true, Scott? Yes, it's true. And yet Paul says through the guidance of the Spirit that there's something about eternal life that comes from the Spirit that happens before you get to heaven. That eternal life could start now in how you're walking. Whoa. Things just got better. The game just changed. And let us not, verse 9, let us not grow weary. Anybody tired? I think the number one answer I get when I ask people, hey, how you doing? Um, I'm tired. I'm beat. It was a long week. I'm spent. Why do we get weary? Because we're not doing good enough. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. You ever work really hard and accomplish something? How's that feel? You could do that every day. You could do that with people. You could do that every time you go into the store, every time you get in your car, every time you get on the phone, every time you think about sending that post. Wait, maybe I should, maybe I should do good. Am I, is, if I do this, is it good? How do I measure that, Scott? How do I know if something's good? Would Jesus do it? Would he be happy with you doing it? Would he tell someone else to do it? If someone else did it to you, would you like it? The famous words of Mama Berglund. Would you like it if your brother did that to you? Man, I heard that so many times. So no wonder I became a pastor. Uh, So then, 
Oh, by the way, it says, if we do not give up. Never give up. Don't ever give up. Right? Jim Valvano, North Carolina State basketball. Uh, verse 10. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good. Uh-oh, he said it twice. Let us do good to the ones you like, the ones that look like you, the ones that pay you back, the ones that are convenient, the ones that are less expensive. No. It says what? Let us do good to... Say it. I know at home, no one can hear you except for maybe your spouse or your kid. What? Say it. Everyone. We're supposed to do good to everyone. Good things, by the way. Usually you, you do well, but here the implication is you're doing good things to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Ooh, does that mean we're supposed to be nicer to Christians? Wow. So you're supposed to be nice to everyone. And he's also saying, and pay attention, because a lot of you, you beat the sheep. You stab the other, the other goats in the flock as they're going by. Would it, stop it. Sometimes we would call that family. You, you're, you're mistreating your family. Man, when you're out in public, you're super nice to the waitress. But when you get in the car, the way you talk to your spouse, the way you talk to your kids, or how about this one? This one's personal for me. The way you talk to your parents. How about that? Let's do good things to them. Not just the ones that you can, can't get away with. Verse 11, see with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. Paul wrote them a personal letter. It is those, verse 12, it is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised. This goes back to the laws that the rules they were trying to set up. And only in order that they may be, not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. I see if we can, there's a weird little thing going on here. If we can make up some rules that we start monitoring and paying attention to and watching, where, what have we taken attention away from? If now we're, we're keeping score, we're taking attendance and doing all that stuff, then what we've stopped paying as much attention to is the cross, is Christ, is what he did, what he said, what he's doing, what he will do, what he wants, what he thinks, what he cares about. Man, so easy to get off of those things. Uh, for even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. You know, this is, this is awesome. This is the, the truth. Like as, as soon as somebody um, accomplishes something, you know, I, hey, what, out of pursuing Christ, I'm going I'm to get circumcised. Well, then they, then they get circumcised, and then it's like, well, I'm done. I did it. I've checked that off the list. Now I'm going to go do what I want. And we do it about all kinds of things. Oh, I'm free in Christ, and I can just drink whatever I want. I'm free in Christ, I can just go do whatever I want. You know, God wants me to be happy. No, he doesn't. He wants you to be obedient and see happiness come from that. There's a different order. And yet, we like to make rules and then be excited that we've checked them all off and then think that you've qualified, right? Oh, I need all the prerequisites for being a Christian. I'm in. Now, I'm just going to live the rest of my life 
doing whatever I need to do. No, you're measuring the wrong things. But far be it from me, verse 14, to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen on that? Far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. For a third time, for far be it from me to boast except in, in anything but the cross and our Lord Christ Jesus. That's what we boast about. Let him who boasts, boast in this, that he knows and understands me. That's what God says. Why? Because it is the cross and our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. They can't keep score on me anymore. They are no longer allowed to measure me. Accept me, reject me, no. Doesn't work that way. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. That's what counts. Are you a new creation? Are you acting the same way you did before you came into relationship with the Lord? Before you heard about the gospel, before you heard about Jesus, or the Ten Commandments, or uh, the Bible, or any of these things, the, the, what Jesus did for you, what is grace, what is sin, what is forgiveness, all of these things, before you did any of those things, are you acting the same as you did then? Well, I go to church every Sunday. Yeah, but if you're a jerk, it doesn't matter. That's the reality. I can't believe nobody ever told me that at church growing up. They just told me you got to come to church every year. Why? Well, that's what Christians do. No, it's, it's a jerk vaccine. We're, we're so worried about the vaccine from this virus. You, what we need is we need a vaccine for being jerks. We learn how to be loving towards other people and stop keeping score and stop... Um, judging, we got to get to the point where we're getting better as individuals. Why? As it benefits other people. And I don't have a standard for them and I don't have a standard for me. People who walk by this rule, oh, there's his pun again, right? He keeps talking about laws and rules. What's the new rule? You be a new creation, right? Peace and mercy upon them and upon the Israel of God. And I can't, I can't get past this statement without wondering what's going on here. Right? Because normally you say peace and love and mercy upon him and them and our Lord Jesus Christ. Or our God the Father in heaven. Right? No, we got these phrases that we use all the time. Here it doesn't say that. And upon the Israel of God. What? That shows up almost everywhere, any, never in Scripture. Right? Everywhere you look, do you, do you find these things? And upon the Israel of God. Ooh, what's going on here? Here's what I think. And this is just what I think, okay? This is just a guy talking now. This is not pastoral or seminary or professor, right? But Israel means he who wrestles with God. 
Jacob was renamed Israel. Why? Because he wrestled with God and he survived. Right? I wonder if it's saying, hey, those of you that keep walking by this rule, this idea that you're trying to be a new creation and you're following the law of Christ, if you're really pursuing that, if you're wrestling with that, then peace and mercy upon you. Why? Because you're wrestling with God. You are he who wrestles with God. And peace, grace, and mercy upon you because of that. Ooh, man, that's exciting. Verse 17, from now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. He says, by the way, the rules have changed now, so you can't cause trouble for me anymore. I got enough trouble with Jesus, Paul says. Just a great little verse, a little admission there on his part. Verse 18, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Amen. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Uh, I love that Paul Paul ends with an amen on that one. Um, because it, it's kind of that idea of as, as God would. Back to this idea of the rule of Christ, the law of Christ. Those who wrestle with Christ. It's a great, great little idea here. I want us to look um, at some things here because uh, I think it's very poignant that we we have Paul talking about all these things about you and us for the first five chapters. Your identity, your call, your freedom, your adoption, your faith, right? All these things about you. And, and it's almost like he gets to chapter six and, and he does an abrupt turn or even a U-turn. He says, now I'm going to talk about your walk. Wait, well, no, isn't that about you still, Scott? I mean, it's the same. Yes, but what does he say about your walk? Because he's really going to change what the trajectory is, right? And I think we see it in verse um, 16. It's why I put it at the, the top of your outline for those of you who have outlines. It says, and as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy upon be upon you them and upon the Israel of God. Walk by this rule. What's that rule, right? Because there's our word, walk, right? You're walking Christ. Hey, those who walk by this rule. All right, let's find out what the rule is. Well, let me show you four of the things that he said. First one is this, verse uh, one. He said, restore the caught, right? Remember, if somebody's caught in transgression, you know, restore them with gentleness, but restore them. What's that sound like to you? More importantly, what's that feel like to you? If you're restoring someone who's caught, the way I like to say it is stuck. Restore somebody who's stuck. Maybe write that underneath caught. What are you doing? Are you serving yourself? Not really. Are you going to feel good about it? Probably. Why? Because you serve yourself? No. You're going to feel good about it because you help somebody else. Maybe you remember what it's like to be caught or stuck. Maybe the hopelessness of that, what you felt is coming back to memory. You, Paul says, well, one of our jobs in our walk is to restore other people. Fascinating. 
Well, I don't know if I'm going to get to use that very often because I, I just I can't find any stuck people. I, there's no caught people in, in this world, Scott. I just, they're so hard to find. Did anyone recognize that as dripping, massive, fire hydrant-type sarcasm? Absolutely. By the way, we're a sarcasm church. If you can't handle it, good luck. Uh, restore the caught. It's outward focus. Uh, verse 2, he says, uh, bear burdens, right? Bear one another's burdens. And who? Everyone's, right? Especially ones of faith and things like Or No, that was a different verse. Uh, but this idea that we're supposed to bear one another's burdens. Well, you know, Scott, I, I've got enough problems of my own. Yes, you do. Maybe the truest statement of the day. And one of the best ways for you to handle your own burdens is to help somebody else with theirs. Why? Because it gets the focus off you for a second. It might pull you out of your depression or the feelings that you're having. It might give you a mental break from the spinning you've been doing on whatever you're stuck or caught in, whatever your burden is doing to you, the fear of what's going to happen later, and you can just invest in somebody else. And especially if they're hurting. You know, this is different than a caught or stuck person. This is somebody has got a burden. They need help. And they might not have done anything wrong. How great for them to have somebody come alongside them and help. Guess what's going to happen when they find out you have a burden? They might want to help you. Right? You scratch their back, they scratch yours. It could work, right? So we restore the cot. We bear burdens, right? Is that for you or is that for other people? That's other people, right? We're two for two on four other people. And three, verse six, it says, uh, share valuables. Right? This is the one where it says, those, those who are taught should share with those who teach, and, da, 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 and by the way, you should do this for everyone. And, right? Share. Did you learn this in like preschool? Maybe earlier? For sure, in kindergarten. And yet, as we get older... We forget. We forget because we get really good at pursuing more for ourselves. Share? No way. No way. If I share, I'll have less. And I'm doing more, Scott, not less. No. You should be helping less get more. Right? Les, Lester, he's a good dude. Help him get some more. Share our valuables. Uh, when's the last time you shared? And I don't mean shared a link. No, don't get all cute with me. Oh, I, I, I shared some of my tuna salad. Why? Nobody wants tuna salad. No, when's the last time you shared something of value that took a little something out of you, that stung a little bit? Maybe you had to drive somebody. Maybe you had to pay a bunch towards someone else and you may not get paid back. When's the last time you shared in a way that truly fit an, uh, met a need? You did something and it supplied something that was, was actually needed for the other person. 
you know, because here's the thing, there's going to be some times where it, you know, when you share something of value, it's of value to you and it's difficult. There's other times where just a little bit of effort on your part would be extremely valuable to somebody else. How good are you at recognizing those? Recognizing where a little effort on your part would be mountains for them. That's a big deal. Um, are we three for three in doing things for other people in our walk with Christ? Hmm. Any guesses on whether number four is going to fit in that theme? Lastly, uh, be a blessing. It says in uh, verse 10, it says, be a blessing. How does it say that? It doesn't say that, Scott. Verse 10 doesn't say that at all. So then as we have opportunity, like when you can, let us do good to everyone. What's that mean? Be a blessing. Do good to everyone, especially those of the house of faith. Whoa. I'm meant to be a blessing? Yeah, from the beginning of the book, you're meant to be a blessing. In Genesis, they said, uh, I'm going to bless you so that you can bless others. You think that his message has changed? You know that he's in the business of blessing? In the, in the business, the ministry of blessing? You know what those four things, they're all outward focus. And I think it, it's so poignant. It, it's so important. We have to highlight the idea that Paul talks about all the things you need to do in investing in your own relationship with the Lord for five chapters. Why? So that you can get to chapter six and figure out that it's not about you. You do the first five things and you work on yourself, your identity, your adoption, your freedom, your faith, your calling, all of that. You work on that. Why? So that you can get over yourself, get healthy and get off the bottom shelf. Get to step two, level three, beat the dragon at the end of, you know, whatever. I don't know. It was a, it was a poor attempt at video game reference. All right. Beat the boss. I know it's not the dragon. I say beat the boss, right? Um, but it's this idea that, that we, we become focused on others in our walk. Well, yeah, but what about, what about me, Scott? What about my effectiveness? What if it doesn't work? What if they squander what I give them? They will have squandered less of your stuff than they have of God's, and God's okay with it. In fact, he wants them reconciled. He wants them healthy. He wants them back in the fold. Right? Didn't we sing that today? Oh, the love that sought me. Oh, the love that bought me. Grace that brought me to the what? The fold. I thought my relationship with the Lord was just for me. I read the first five chapters. I thought it was just for me. In fact, it was the weirdest thing to walk into church today, and there were actually other people here. I'm like, what are you doing here? Bryce and Jan, they're all like, oh, no, we're, we're in the fold too. Really? I guess that's why it's called a fold. Why? Because there's other people involved. God care about it? Yes, he does. How do you say it? Said it this way. Love your neighbor. Paul took six chapters to say what Jesus said. Love your neighbor. 
When Jesus says, love your neighbor, you know what that means? You got to learn how to love. Learn what love is. That you're capable of love. Be confident enough in yourself. Be on good standing and firm in your foundation so that you can then love. And then when you figure that whole thing out, you don't use it on yourself, you use it on other people. No matter what they look like or how old they are, whether they have hair. So we got to figure out um, how to do that and stop worrying about um, whether it's going to work, whether it makes sense, whether it fits your science, whether it offends your artistic sense. We got to get to a place where we start trusting Jesus for the outcomes. That's what we call it faith. I was listening to Ed Noble, a teaching pastor at Journey Community Church in San Diego, California. I think it's actually La Mesa, but nobody knows La Mesa. They know San Diego, right? And I heard him say that. You know, he said, and it was just like a little passing statement he said in one of his sermons. He said, you know, what this means, it means that we trust Jesus for the outcomes. Wow. I didn't want to make that a fill-in this morning for copyright infringement rules. I don't want to get in trouble with Ed. But do you trust Jesus for the outcomes? If you trust Jesus for the outcomes, it is so much easier to invest in other people. To be a community that serves the greater community. When you trust Jesus for the outcomes, it is so much easier to worship in casual ways that welcome all. When you trust Jesus for the outcomes, you're willing to compel others to Christ. Ooh, did we just circle back to what we talked about at the beginning in our purpose and mission statement as a church? Yeah, because one of my subtle goals over the time that we're at, I'm at this church is to help you understand that I made up none of this. I stole it all. I'm actually not a pastor. I'm a thief. I steal all my stuff from the Bible. It's great. And I get to feel like a convict. Um, it's this idea that uh, my walk is toward others and away from self. A little extra fill in there that's not anywhere. It's not going to show up on the thing. But it's this idea. You said your walk in Christ. Well, your walk, it's not really your walk. It's theirs. Your walk is theirs. And I, and I, I, I want to say it this way, because most of the time when I stand up here and I talk about Scripture, I, you, I do the you, second person, plural, right? You all, we all, I kind of, or we, right? I want to make it first person, personal for you. When you write this down or think this or say this or remember this, my walk, my walk is toward others and away from self. That's how we figure it out. That's how we start making progress. That's what Christ has called us to. Anything else is just in the way. It's just in the way. You ever been driving somewhere and, and the, the guy in front of you is going too slow? It drives me nuts. I, if I get behind somebody who's, who's moving too slow, I, it's like I got to get out to the other lane. I got to get around them. Or even better, if there's two ways to get there, I'll just go the other way so that I can get out from behind slow guy. 
I want to get out from behind slow guy. Why? Because I want to get to my destination. I'm headed towards something. You know, it's the same thing in our relationship with the Lord. If you're doing self, if you're pursuing more for self, you're stuck behind the old guy, old slow guy on the road. And you need to find a way around them or you need to find a different path to get to your destination where you're serving others. Because here's the part that hurts. Guess who slow old guy is in the analogy of driving? It's you. When you're doing self, you're slowing your trajectory, your travel to the destination of where God wants you to be. You're, you're wasting time. It's like Zig used to say. I know you, you don't know Zig. Zig was my boss. I was, worked in a high school and college in a metal shop. Zig was the foreman. He was in charge. One of the hardest working men I've ever met in my whole life. And one of the funniest men I've ever met in my whole life. I'm in, going into college and he says, oh, you're going to college. What are you taking? I said, well, I'm gonna, I'm, I, I got to take the basic, you know, and I go start going through this. I'm thinking about taking, you know, for my studies, I'm, you know, my major, I'm thinking about taking this. He's like, you're not taking space, are you? Like, space? No, astronomy or like, what? No, 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 you're not taking space. He was Polish, still is. Uh, you're not taking space in college, are you? And after a while, I was like trying to figure out what he was saying. He was teasing me but he was playing it off all straight. You're not taking up space in college, are you? You're taking something. You're getting something done. Don't take up space, right? And he thought that was the funniest thing. And for years, hey, you still taking space in college? No, I'm not. Our relationship with the Lord is just like that. If you're working on yourself all the time, if you're making rules for other people, you're taking up space. You're driving too slow. You need to start working on other people, helping other people, restoring them, bearing their burdens, sharing with them, and blessing them. As Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 and 19, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be reconciled to God and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What is our ministry? Restoring people to Christ, or we like to say compelling people to Christ. Why? So they can be reconciled. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that is in Christ Jesus God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him, and entrusting for us the message of reconciliation. Bringing people back to God. That's your walk. That's my walk. That's why we're here. And folks, we're at a unique time. We have a great opportunity in the coming days and months Things are starting to open, vaccines coming out, and we've had a purging of who believes in God, who doesn't. A lot of questions. Is he in control? Is he paying attention? Why did the virus happen in the first place? All that kind of stuff. We have a great opportunity to draw, restore, bring people back in, invite, 
to relationship with the Lord. Be a blessing. Share your stuff. Bear burdens. And, and help them. That's why we're here. That's why we're Rock Bible Church. Who fits that for you? As we pray, let's bow our heads and, and, and we'll close. But as we pray, your heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And I just want you to think, who fits that description for you? Who could you help, serve, bless? Who have you neglected? What have you focused on more than necessary? Lord, help us with these questions. Help us with the answers. Show us where to go, Lord, what to think, how to feel. Keep our eyes and our ears open, Lord. Help us to hear and see what you put before us. Lord, I've never seen, heard, and felt so many hurting people. Pray that you would help heal. And use this however you possibly can. We know that's your Lord's ministry. We pray it in his name, Lord, and we thank you for the offering that we are receiving. Amen. You'll lead me? Did you just sing that? You'll lead me, Lord? Wow. In your walk with Christ, may you go where he leads you. Amen. Amen. Go with him.